Amen. We just pray that God touches you in such a fresh way today, in such a real way, in a powerful way. And uh, one of the things that we believe and we've seen over and over again, that the Lord is a healer. Amen. You believe that? Do you believe God's a healer? And uh, those that are maybe joining us online, maybe you're struggling, something in your body, going through something today, we're just believing God for a, a tremendous miracle in your body today. You know, years ago, <clears throat> never forget, I was reminded of this story the other day. Years ago, we were, uh, it was, I believe this time of year, February, January, February, and uh, had kind of come down with a little something, and then we left for Israel, and the big team of us went to Israel for 10 days, and, and it was extremely cold over there, and I remember, you know, everything is stone and cement and, and tile over there, and I remember sleeping on someone's floor, and I got sick, and I had 102 fever, and I couldn't see the sights. I think Micah was on that trip, and he was telling me about all, well, we went down, and we got a rock where David and slew Goliath, and I was like, I didn't, okay? Great, I missed all the Bible stories. Anyway, so it was, you know, and so, but what's really neat about that is, um, so as a team, we took terms to, to speak and preach. So the night that I was going to preach, uh, I had 102 fever, and I was like, I'll just go to church, and I'm just going to, I was in the office laying on the couch there uh, as service was going on, and of all things, the, I felt the Lord uh, wanted me to preach on healing. <laughs> Isn't that great how the Lord does that? <clears throat> You're sick, and you need to preach on healing, and so as soon as I got up, I'm telling you, <laughs> the Lord's my witness, I mean, that fever left. And I preached and we prayed for people and people got healed that night. I mean, tremendous things happened. It was really amazing. And then as soon as the service was over, <clears throat> that thing came back on me, came back home, had it for three and a half weeks. I had bronchitis for three and a half weeks. And I never forget being on this stage in a Sunday service, in the worship service. And I just put my hand up and said, Lord, I need you to touch me today. And I'll never forget, I could feel, how many ever felt the touch of God? You ever felt God really touch you? I knew God touched me, and I felt God touch me. And by the end of that afternoon, and late in the evening, I was completely healed. And, uh, I mean, everything cleared up, my chest, my nose, everything was, was completely healed. I, I believe we serve a healing God. I believe that our God heals, and he's a miracle-working God. And we can never, ever get to the place where we don't believe that. Amen. Because God heals. And so I, I just want to encourage you today, whatever you're believing God for, trust the Lord. Hold on to him. Amen. And, and, and I believe God's going to do a work. Amen. One of the things I love, I love church. I love Sundays. I, I have been in a, a lot of services, been in church all my life, really. And I love church. And one of the things I love about this city is we are known and have been known in the past as the city of churches. How many maybe you didn't live here, you didn't uh, grow up here initially. Maybe you've moved here and you're like driving around. There's a lot of churches, right? You ever notice that, right? And then, in fact, there's an old saying and kind of jokingly we say about there was a church on every corner and a bar in between. And that's kind of sums up Williamsport, right? And a lot of churches. But, you know, I just wanted to thank the Lord today before I got into my message for all the churches in this whole valley, in this whole area, in this whole region. Because uh, whether it's in the city or in the suburbs or on a country road, I want to thank the Lord for every single Christian church there is because it's a reminder to the world that Jesus is real 
Jesus loves them. Amen. That he came to save them. Amen. Every time they see somebody and, and walking into a church with a Bible under the hand or in their family going into church, I believe they're reminded of, subconsciously reminded of God's uh, realness, his nature, his love. And uh, there's something powerful about churches when you see them in the city. So I thank the Lord for all the churches in the region, in the valley, in the city. And uh, so many great churches doing so many wonderful things. And uh, I'm trying to be in touch with the local pastors here. I'm hearing God doing so many wonderful things <clears throat> with all the churches here. So don't forget to thank God for churches. Amen. Maybe you're driving by road and you're like, wow, there's a lot of churches to say, Lord, thank you for all these churches in our city. Amen. And, and in our nation. And uh, we have the liberty to worship. I'm so thankful for that. Amen. Well, you got a puzzle piece today as you came in, right? We're going to talk about that in a little bit. I got my little puzzle piece right there. Boom, right there. We'll talk about that in a little bit. If you didn't get a puzzle piece, there's puzzle pieces. All right, there's puzzle pieces. Maybe somebody will give you theirs. They were like, I don't know, puzzle piece. All right, <clears throat> amen. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But one of the things I want to say, if I could give a, a word from the Lord for 2023, if I could say what the vision would be uh, for our church for 2023, if I could say um, the, what I felt the Lord was saying uh, as a whole, not just as church body, but maybe even as a, a, a national church or a global church. In fact, I would go a little bit further and, and say, what if probably today I could even prophesy for the next 10 years what the Lord would be speaking to the church and it would go something like this and that as if you focus on church unity you'll see God move supernaturally I believe that if we focus on church unity and loving one another and focus on church unity because that's where it starts. So many times we're waiting for it to start, you know, kind of like, well, it's going to start from China. It's going to come over here. It's going to Africa and then we're going to have this sweeping thing and, and then it's just going to take us all. But, you know, it really starts in our hearts, doesn't it? Revival starts in our hearts. The move of God starts in our hearts. The Spirit of the Lord moving starts in our hearts, and then it goes into our homes, and then it comes into the church. Amen. But it's when the body of Christ focuses on, really, on church unity. Because God doesn't move in a dysfunctional atmosphere. God does, he's not going to use something dysfunctional. How many know you don't keep putting money into a soda machine that says out of order? And so God doesn't invest in things that are broken. Come on. He invests in things that work, and that's the church. And so I want to encourage you that uh, this is the, the years, really, that we need to really emphasize and focus on church unity. And I think a lot of us, we kind of hear that over and over. And the scripture I'm about ready to read out of John 13, we've heard it so many times, that maybe we take it for granted. That maybe we get used to hearing it so much, we've even forgot the powerful meaning behind it. Amen. Let's turn to John chapter 13. <clears throat> Just want to share some things and then we'll get into the puzzle piece. But in John chapter 13, uh, ver verses 34 and 35, very familiar passage of scripture to um, really to anybody that's a Christian. The Bible says in verse 34, Jesus said, A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another. As I have loved you, that you also love one one another, or in the way that I demonstrate my love to you, that's how you ought to demonstrate your love for others. And this shall by all people know, all men, he says, know, 
you are my disciples, you belong to me, my followers, if you have love one to another. We know that love is constantly being uh, redefined by our culture. And in today's uh, society, it seems to be twisted in the wrong way. Um, But nevertheless, how many know the love of God is still there and the principle is still um, powerful? But really, what I want to bring out of this is that the plan of salvation really, that God has intended, included one nation that God would call his own to do his will in the earth. And that that nation would multiply and grow so that he can live with those people forever. I mean, that's the plan of God, right? I mean, that's the whole picture. That's the bigger picture of what God has. And so one of the things I I, I thought about is we're talking about, uh, uh, you know, others and, and loving other people. And loving one another is that when you're born again, you're members of the body of Christ. I mean, no, you don't need to take a growth track class to become a member of the body of Christ. You don't need to give, you don't give money to a church. You don't have to, you know, three years and then you prove yourself and you take all these things and repeat after me and do all these creeds. When you're born again, the Bible says that you, when you're baptized, you are baptized in as members of Christ. Amen. You are part of the body of Christ. How many know that's your position in Christ? But you know, it's not just enough to have a position in Christ, you've got to have a function. It's not just enough to have a title, you've got to have a function, right? And so what is our function as the body of Christ? And that is to love one another. That's our function. And a lot of people get caught up with, well, my position in Christ. The Bible says that we're seated together in heavenly places with Christ, right? That's our position in Christ. But our function in Christ is to love one another. Amen. Again, we've heard this so many times. We think, wow, okay, I've heard this. I get it. Yeah, I'm loving other people. But I feel like we've missed a complete uh, impact of what Jesus is teaching when he says, love others as you have been loved by me. Amen. And notice this, that something that we're a little bit unfamiliar with today and maybe you've gotten away from, and that is that these are commands from God. These are not ideas from God. These are not uh, an inspiration that at the time he's saying this is, you know, he's being inspired at the time and he's very passionate about this at the time and now it's not as passionate. This is a command from the Lord. How many believe this is a command from God? And every command that God gives, I believe that we're held accountable for those commands. Amen. And so this is a command from God. This is, not, this is not something that you can just say, okay, yeah, we're supposed to love everybody. Yeah, I get it. I'm trying to be nice to my neighbors. I'm trying to be kind. The Bible says we're to love one another. And specifically, he says, this is how everyone will know you're together. You belong together. You're disciples. You're part of the same crew. You're part of the same group is that you have love one for another. Not just love for everybody, but love for the body of Christ. Love for the church. Love for other Christians. Can you say amen? Amen. Love for other Christians. Amen this morning. So this morning I want to talk to you about what the church really is, and that is one plus others. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for today. Thank you for your, your, your people who are gathered here today. Lord, we thank you that miracles happen when we get together. Lord, there's so much inspiration, encouragement. But Lord, most importantly, we pray that today people will be built up in their faith, encouraged in their faith, strengthened in their faith, so that the, the church, the greater part, can be strengthened today. Lord, we thank you that we are part of something much bigger than ourselves, but help us to, Lord, add to it, Lord, the way you've called us to do it. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, 
Amen. One of the things that I saw during COVID, I think uh, probably mid-COVID, I really had a, a kind of an understanding and I saw something. I saw a need in the church, not just, not just uh, nationally or globally. I, I saw it locally. I saw a need in our church, and that was really that we're more, um, that we love one another more, that we really grow in love to one another, and that, um, you know, we kind of just really know when somebody else is sick, we know somebody else's needs, that we have the resources to meet it, we can pray for somebody. Wouldn't it be great to know that if there was 200 adults here, wouldn't it be uh, great to know that 199 people are praying for you? Wouldn't that be great to know that? How encouraging would that be? Even 50, that would be amazing. And, and so I realized that. And I realized, of course, how we need to look outside the four walls, of course. And, and that was a, a big understanding. But really it was that we need to have love. And this, this whole thing about body ministry and how that the Lord is doing this all over. And I feel like this is something that isn't new to the church, isn't new to, uh, to the Lord, obviously. But it's kind of something God is emphasizing again. He's reemphasizing again in our day and in the church and that is to really have this body ministry where the body is ministering to itself so many times we're like well there's one person the pastor the leadership whoever and and they're ministering and that's their job that's what they get paid for but the bible makes it clear that's not that's that's how we set things up but the bible makes it clear that it's by body ministry the body strengthens itself takes care of itself keeps itself healthy amen of course all by the help of the lord but it's the body and so we noticed that. And so we try really hard at the church. And we worked hard after COVID. And, and even, even now we're just talking about how can we be better at making visitors feel welcome. And uh, you know, getting people connected to, the, to each other, to the church. And uh, we, we want to do that. We really want to do that. But how many know as the body of Christ, you know, as, as you're members of somebody else and you're connected to somebody else, you don't need a whole lot of assistance to do that. Because we share Christ in common. We have the Lord in common. And, and that's what joins us together. And so so whether you're in, in uh, we've been in, in South Africa or wherever, in Europe and, and whatever, you just meet people that are Christians and you realize, wow, we're family. Like we're joined together through Christ. How I many know it doesn't take a huge invitation to talk to somebody that's another believer? You just kind of connect, right? And you just have that connection. But um, I believe that as a church, one of the things, and whether we're doing children's ministry or the serve teams or whatever we're doing as a church, our end game is that we could love one another more, that we can be about one another more. One plus others. That's what that's what it's all about. Getting new people in and 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 welcoming them if they feel called here. Getting them connected to other people, to to uh, the church, and and th- so on and so forth. And so that's that's our heart because that's our end game. And so just wanted to encourage you that uh, that's something the Lord is has really emphasized. Now we we talked about loving one another. Let me just give you a few things. Um, here, just a kind of a long list, actually, but what the Bible says and teaches us about one another, one plus others, what the Bible teaches us about one another. The Bible teaches us that we are to encourage one another, be devoted to one another, give preference to one another, build one another up, be kind to one another, live in harmony with one another, accept one another, serve one another, have concern for one another, be kind, compassionate, and forgiving one another, and that's all in one verse. Carrying one another's burdens, teaching and admonishing one another, confessing your sins to one another, praying for one another, using hospitality towards one another. Uh, Don't judge one another. Don't slander one another. Don't provoke one another. These are just a few things that the Bible teaches about 
one another. Amen. How many know the Bible overemphasizes relationship? <laughs> Amen. And this is what it's all about. And we haven't figured that out by now. We really kind of need to get into the Bible a little bit more and walk with the Lord a little bit more. You'll find out there's an overemphasis of relationship. But I believe that it's important. We A lot of times we talk about the church. We talk about what the church should be doing globally. But we need to be talking what the church should be doing locally. Amen. And so I believe that if we can do our part here at River Valley, then somehow we can really uh, attach to other churches and really encourage them. And, and then we can do our part together. Amen. And then together as a region, as a state, we can do our part. Amen. To what God is doing on a larger scale. I want to bring your scripture out and hence draw the attention to the puzzle piece. In Ephesians chapter 2, if you'll turn there with me, <clears throat> turn or click. Um, there with me in Ephesians chapter 2. I love this um, chapter because this chapter has so many, um, uh, I would say, quotable script verses here of the Christian faith and so many things that we've referenced, you know, uh, commonly as uh, Christians. They're still right there in chapter 2. I love it. Such a great book. But he begins to describe, Paul writes to the Ephesian church here, and he begins to talk about how, what the Lord has done in their life and the, and the work of salvation and the process that God had before time began of them being saved and, and that he was addressing specifically Gentiles, those of the non-Jewish world. And he was uh, you know, kind of this whole idea, of course, we don't have time to get into it, of, of, of how Jesus came for the whole world. Aren't you glad? Amen. And he's, he's, he's talking to the Gentiles and describing, Describing the picture of salvation, what the Lord has done for them, and so many good things. But then he goes into uh, verse 19 and he gets a little bit more clear on the bigger picture. And he says in verse 19, he said, Now therefore you are no longer strangers or foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God. I'm reading out of the King James. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building... Notice that the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also, verse 22, are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. He continues on in verse 4. After he talks about the five offices of ministry in the church, he says in verse 12, this is, these were given for the perfecting of the saints, the work of the ministry, for the edifying, for the building up, the construction of the body of Christ. Verse 13, till we all come into the unity of the faith. Verse 16, from whom the whole body fitly joined together, uh, completely joined together or uniquely joined together and compacted, love that, close together, by that which every joint supplies according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, everybody doing their part, making increase, a growth, expansion of the body. Unto the edifying and the building construction of itself in love. Verse 25, the last part. For we are members of one another. Isn't that good? I mean, how many know? I mean, Paul's saying something here. I mean, he's trying to get this message across. He says it in two chapters very clearly. And then other teachings in 1 Corinthians, he's talking about the body of Christ. But it's very interesting that there's many terms and pictures that Paul gives for the, uh, for the church. And this one, he's talking about the body of Christ, but also he talks about the structure or the building of Christ. He also talks about the holy nation of the family of God, the people of God, the bride of Christ, the elect, so on and so forth. We're compared as a flock of sheep, and that's 
considered the church. But here he uses words, uh, uh, construction and structure, structural words and terms that we are being built together. Jesus said what? That he is what? Building the church. He's not making it like a pie. He's building it like a building. Like construction, he's building it. And so we see these terms, and in verse 21, it's the building. Uh, notice he, 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 he hones it in, and he says, it's not just a, a general building, but two things about this building. Number one, it's the building that's fitted or framed together perfectly or joined together. The building, it's built together stone by stone. And so th- this isn't a brick wall that he's describing. It's a stone wall. How many know a brick wall means that it's kind of like every Every piece is the same, exactly measured to the perfection, the same, exactly the same color, exactly, and they're put in place. It doesn't look too beautiful. It's just a brick wall. No, he's talking about a stone wall where you take each individual stone out of the earth and you you carve these stones and a mason, a skilled mason will carve these stones and he'll put it in so their weight is is distributed evenly and then and they kind of fit together almost perfectly. And you kind of like hone their, you take their natural look and their natural shape and you kind of work on it a little bit. And then you put them with other stones and that's what he's talking about. That stone by stone you are joined together. You are fitted together. I believe the King James says you're framely or fitted together, framely fitted together. And so he says that this is what a mason does. So these are stones that are shaped to fit close to each other to make a secure wall. Amen. How many of you have seen a, a beautiful stone wall? When we were in Israel, going back to that, one of my favorite places that I wanted to go was in the southern part, which is Masada. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie back in the 80s. Loved it when I was in fourth grade, and I had to go see Masada. And they're still building for thousands of years later. Their structure's still there, stone on stone. The same stones they put there years ago, they're still there. And that was a picture of what God wants to do in the church. He wants to take uh, stones. We are called, uh, later on, uh, Peter says that we are lively stones. And he takes these stones and he shapes them and molds them and puts them together, closely together. And we become something secure and strong. We become this wall. And the, other, the second reason is, is because in verse 22, he says that you're being built together for a dwelling place. For the temple of God. Isn't that neat? It's not to make something that looks like something in the culture, but this is unique. This is the temple of God. This is the house of the Lord. This is, uh, you're being, you're chosen and sealed in Christ and raised up to become a holy temple in the Lord. Temple or God's house is this spiritual temple, of course. This is a place where God's presence was, where people worshiped. And that's what the Bible says we're being built for. Wow, isn't that neat? It's not just, we don't just come to church to come to church. There's a reason we come to church. There's a reason we gather together. We're becoming something that God is using, that God is glorified in. Amen? So this is the picture he's giving with these stones. Now, there's a few things I could have used. I could have stacked stones on the stage and did that and everything. And that would have been crazy because I don't want to lift stones right now. And, uh, or I could have used Lego pieces. How Legos, I mean, if you guys are Lego crazy, right? If anybody's ever took time, well, spent the money, then took the time to build the Death Star. Kudos to you. But, I mean, think about it. They make these cool things and all this stuff. How many have ever, we, we went to the NBA store in New York City, one of my favorite places to go, and they have these, like, actual size Lego statues. Like, a, they, when we were there one time, it was Shaq, so he's, like, seven-something. It's, like, this actual size, all these Lego pieces. It was really cool. I could have used that today, but I chose to use puzzle pieces. 
That's where the puzzle pieces come in. Why? Because I love this uh, illustration about puzzle pieces. It really kind of matches this description of being fitted together, building something for the Lord, and being um, tied in together and joined together as the body of Christ. Because puzzle pieces really are designed to uniquely fit together perfectly with other pieces to build something bigger than them as an individual piece to make something beautiful. Amen. And so a couple things I just want to go over about puzzle pieces that are really neat. Number one, they're uniquely shaped. Obviously, you know, some puzzle pieces like are like kind of the same, you know, but they're, they're but overall they're uniquely shaped. Right. And that's the one of the things about the Bible teaches us is that we were called by God individually. We were created by God, uniquely made. Psalms 139 says that before we were in our mother's womb or while we were in our mother's womb, God was shaping us. God was creating us and making eyelashes and eyeballs, all these things that God was designing us. How many believe that you're called, loved, and pursued by God? Amen. You're uniquely shaped. And I love that about the Lord. Not one of us really in this building have all the same thoughts and all the same ideas and all the same mannerisms and ways. That's what makes the body of Christ so great. Amen. That's what makes us lively stones. Like, you know, we're, some of us are just kind of like more round. Right? Sometimes. Amen. Especially in the winter. And so, you know, we're just different. And, and, and the, the powerful thing is that God calls you and empowers you. And he graces you to be part of the body of Christ. He gives you gifts and all those things you're uniquely shaped. But here's the thing about that is that by yourself, you're just a piece. Just by themselves, it's just a puzzle piece. Like, okay, mine has like bluish stuff on it. It's, it's really not unique and special until it comes together with other pieces, right? That's what makes it so great. And puzzle pieces, yes, we're uniquely shaped, but by ourselves, we're just a piece. So thank God that he loves this piece, right? Thank God that he called this piece. But how many know there's like 7 billion other pieces in the world that God loves, <laughs> That God created, that God shaped, amen. And so we've got to keep this in perspective. Because really our, our culture teaches us to, to be celebrated and affirmed constantly. In fact, overly, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know uh, affirmed. And, and, and I, I need it all the time. And, and i got to go places where I'm celebrated or I'm not going at all. Okay whatever, but the kingdom has a totally different idea. It says that you need to go and love and celebrate others. And, and come on, that's what the Bible teaches us, that it's not all about you. First of all, we got to love God with all our heart. we got to love others, what, way better, more than ourselves. And so that's what the Bible teaches. It totally goes against culture. And I heard this one time, and maybe you've heard this, some really bad advice about finding a church, a good church. Someone said one time, and it's just a terrible piece of advice, they said, go to a church that you're celebrated. And if you're not celebrated there, go to another church that you can find that you're celebrated. How about go to a church that you're called to, that you can celebrate other people, that you can actually give your life and serve other people from an unselfish point of view, Right? Amen. How many know that? That's terrible advice. Go where you're celebrated. And if you're not celebrated, you need to leave there. Listen, if that's the case, you're going to be wandering for a long, long time because the church of the Lord Jesus Christ isn't about celebrating one person. Right? It's not about one person is like, oh, yes, so and so just walked in. Let's just take time to stop and thank them for their presence here. 
You're just a puzzle piece. Amen. All right. Sorry. But that's true, isn't it? And, and, and today in our culture, we, it's just like we're so self-aware that everyone else has to be so aware of us. And, and, that we, and so it leads to a place where we're never aware of others. So it's like, I'm a number seven who has anxiety and I'm triggered by third grade memories. Okay, we're all there, man. We're all there. But we're here to get healing from one another. We're here to get well. We're here to get better. And the only way you can do that is when your eyes are focused on other people, when your heart is towards other people. Come on, when we're loving one another. When we're not all about ministry. Jesus said he did not come to be ministered to. He came to minister and give him his life as a ransom for everyone. Amen. That needs to be our idea when, we, when it comes to the church. That needs to be our mentality. Not, listen, you need to stop and take a moment and thank God I'm in the room because I am so me. Right? The, no, what we need to say, in fact, the Bible says, <laughs> excuse me, <clears throat> well, when we're born again, that we no longer live in a place that it's about us. Amen. It now becomes about him and his glory and Jesus Christ and him crucified. It now becomes about those who don't know him. It now becomes about those who are sick and those who have needs. Amen. Sometimes even greater than ours. Amen. <clears throat> That's what it's about. <clears throat> and I just want to throw this out that if you're going to join a church for what they offer you personally, I mean, it's kind of like marrying a woman for her body. Seriously, right? I mean, it may be cool but it's not going to last. Those relationships normally don't last. And it's the same thing with people who want to join the church for what the church has to offer to them personally. Now, we go out of our way. We try to work really hard here at the church that your children's ministry experience is amazing. Your worship experience is amazing. Life groups are going to be great. I mean, we, we really work hard at that. We're trying. We're practicing. I mean, we're, we're, we haven't got it right yet. But, but ultimately... It's not about joining a church for what they can do for me personally. It's about what God has put in me that I can give to other people. It's what I can learn from others. It's what I can, I can do for others that I'm going to learn here. In our growth track class, we, we put this little thing out that we just say, please don't come to this church to try to change us. We're changing into his image. <laughs> We don't need someone to try to change what we're doing. Amen. Just try to be a part of what we're doing. Amen. Now, God will use you and your talents to help guide and lead and, and direct. And maybe there's some ideas and some vision that God has given you that will help us on our, on our way. We get it. But ultimately, we're not here to make the church acceptable to me, palatable to me, but palatable to God. Amen. And so let me just say this, that if a local church like the one in Ephesus is like a physical body. Think of what would happen to the church body if it's like a physical body if we refuse to attach our part to it <laughs> or we violently detach apart from it. Think about what happened to a church. Think about to a physical body if that happens, right? If we're called a physical body. So let me just throw this out before we move on is that it, it really <clears throat> also during the time of COVID and, 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 and even uh, before that, um, you know, I, I kind of would really scratch my head over something and, and I really didn't understand something and I still, to this day, don't have answers over it. I just, I pray about it, give it to God, but I really don't understand how 
people can, can go to a church for many, many years and be a part of that and teach and, and maybe be part of a ministry team and have leadership and be life groups. And you were um, loved by those people. You were, you were supported when you were sick and your mom had cancer and, and you, you made phone calls late at night and you needed financial help and, and they helped you and people were there and they supported you. And then in an in a, in a instant, all you do is write a text to someone in the church, this is my last Sunday there, I'm out of there. Like, how, where's the relationship? Like, how, how do you go to a church for like 10, 20 years and have all these supposed, supposed relationships and then you can just detach violently detach or just disappear. I know during COVID, I talked to a lot of pastors. It's kind of the same way. We just, there's a lot of people that just, this magical thing happened. There's a lot of people that just disappeared. I mean, they didn't come back. They didn't, and I've, I've reached out to them. They haven't responded. You know, hey, is there anything? What's going on? How's it going? How are you feeling? What can we do? And they just disappeared. And, and uh, in Tom Rainer's book, The Post-Quarantine Church, he said this is really one of the biggest issues that pastors are facing right now and having to really move on with. And that is the, the knowledge that there's a lot of people that just didn't come back. That didn't come back. But I, I don't understand how people can, can have an issue. And, and there's obviously there's issues. We're like a family. We're going to have problems. I mean, come on. you got crazy aunts. you got uncles you don't get along with in family that you got problems with, right? We're, we're a family. And I get it. But, you know, I mean, going to a church for so long, and then, and then usually what happens is you have a problem with one person or a family or a situation or misunderstanding or something. And the next thing you know, you're ghost in the church. You're, you're just, you're out of there. You're, you're gone. And and, and I just don't understand how after all those years, it just didn't mean anything to people. And likewise, on the other hand, for those who, who remain in the church or whatever, I'll never forget uh, going to someone in the church and they were there for a long time and I just telling this person, yeah, th this person just told me um, they weren't happy with this one thing and they're leaving the church and they're just not coming back. And, and uh, I, I said it that way. I didn't say it, you know, derogatory or anything. And this person said, well, they didn't, they didn't come much anyways. I was like, well, how much do we really love them? I mean, if you're, you're willing to say, like, there's the door, see you later, like, after 20, I mean, seriously, see what I'm saying? So what we have to do is we have to take these things in consideration to willing to work things out. That's what families do. That's what people do who really love each other. That's what people do who really are connected after 20 years or 10 years or 5 years or whatever. You're, really, you're willing to work it out. You're willing to hear the other side. You're willing to think about your actions. And what happens is that many times I have a problem with one person in the church and they end up generalizing the entire church. Well, that church is full of hypocrites. No, you got a person with just one problem who wasn't even a member of that church who just kind of like, just having a bad day, right? <laughs> And then you generalize the whole global church, the whole global church, all the church, all Christians. They're just, I mean, everybody. I'm done with it. The whole thing. I'm done with all Christians, right? I'm atheist now, right? And I love how that just happens in a moment, <clears throat> right? And then, and then at Christmas time, they're Christian again. Anyways, so, but we have to be able to, to realize that, yeah, there's going to be problems. There's going to be all these things. And, and, and the church is messy at times. But, and, and one of the things people have to understand is when this happens, and a lot of people, maybe after 20 years, 10, 15 years, and, and they just kind of ghost everybody, and they leave the church, and, and, and it just, they don't even phone call. There's not a conversation about it. You know, one of the things that people don't understand is that of all the people in the church that get affected is the pastors. It's the leaders, the leadership of the church. They carry that emotional, mental um, burden, and, and it really wears on you. And, and it, sometimes it feels like you're going through a death. 
at times. And, and those of you who've been pastors, or our pastor, founding pastors will tell you over almost 50 years of ministry, sometimes it feels like it's a death sometimes. It feels like it's an ugly divorce. It just, it's, it's really tough to go through. And then there's other people in the church like, okay, we can move on. And, and you're like, months later, no, nah, man, I really miss that person. It hurt. <laughs> Amen. So let's be careful because one of the things that we, we may be uniquely shaped, but we're part of the church. We're part of something larger. Amen. I'll just say this last thing and move on. I'll never forget a guy who just really just complaining and ripping the church up and down. And I mean, just hated Christians. I mean, the guy was just whatever. And I said, you know, I, I get it that you're struggling and I, and I get that. And, and uh, you know, how many know uh, the way I feel about it is I struggle all the time and I'm the pastor, right? I have all the issues all the time and I'm the pastor. I said, I get it. But one of the things you got to be careful what you say about the church because you're part of it. And you've got to really watch because, because you've got to make sure that you're not saying, you know what, I'm this unique piece, I'm this unique individual, and if people don't want to get along with me, I'm scrapping everybody. I mean, we're still part of the, the bigger piece. We're still part of the church. Amen. Now, God calls you other places. I mean, God will move you and, and relocate. I, I'm all into that. I get it. You know, that's not what I'm saying today. I'm just talking about... Amen. People problems. Amen. The second thing, let's move on because this isn't popular. The second thing is, is that we are fitly framed. That's what the King James says. We are shaped to join others. This is the puzzle piece. It's shaped to join other pieces, right? And when the creator of that made that puzzle and they cut that out, that they were designed so that every time you put that piece in the same place, it fits every time. So it's shaped to join other people. Again, the Bible overemphasizes relationship. I'm going to quickly go through these, but the Bible says that two standing back to back will conquer. One person by themselves will be defeated. Two are better than one, Ecclesiastes says. There's anointing and blessing and unity. Jesus sent the disciples out in teams. The church was built on the apostles and the prophets, not just on one man or on one woman, but on a team of people and then a group of people so that that group could grow, so that people could fit together and join together. And then it just didn't stay in Jerusalem. How many know that thing went all over the world, right? It still is going all over the world. So that people from different continents and different pieces from all over could fitly join together. Amen. And that's what and the Bible says, what God has joined together, nobody's going to be able to pull apart. Amen. I love that about the Lord. And so I believe also, we could throw this out, is that when we don't move in our calling, when we don't move in our gifting and our abilities to build the church, to edify the church and people in the church, I mean, that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about people. We take away from the church. And so that, so that some people that are holding back and, and being reserved and letting the pastor do all the work and all, everybody else do it, and, and they're just kind of showing up just for attendance, what happens is the, the church, that church, becomes more about absence than a substance. And it's more about what's not in the church, what's not happening in the church, rather than what could be happening in the church. Amen. And so for, in order for the, ch the church to function properly and powerfully, you have to first. Amen? Let me say that again. In order for the church to function properly and powerfully, you have to first. Amen? And so you got to do your part. And the third thing about a puzzle piece is very obvious is it's part of a bigger picture. And that's us as the church, isn't it? We're part of the bigger picture. I mean, the Bible says that we're surrounded by clouds of witnesses. I mean, this thing's been going on for a long time. This puzzle's huge. Okay? This is like a gazillion 
piece puzzle set, right? The Lord's working on. Amen. This thing's huge. You're part of a bigger picture. Let me just, um, as I wind down, just kind of give you this scripture and show you what I'm talking about. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. This very familiar passage of scripture when Peter confessed the lordship of Jesus, that Jesus was the Messiah. He said, well, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Right after that in verse 18, Jesus said to him, I say to you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not be able to withstand it or prevent the resurrection is what he's talking about. But he says, uh, you are Peter and it's the same word there and Jesus does a play on words. And so in the Greek, the word Peter is the Petros. That's where we get Petros. It's a small or detached stone. It's a separate stone. That's what it means. He's a stone. But then he says on this rock or this Petra, this bedrock or this huge rock, I will build my church. So he gave Peter the understanding, Peter, God's calling you to be this rock, this unique piece. Amen. But you are part of a bigger rock. You are part of the rock, the rock Christ Jesus, the foundation. And then later on, Peter writes in 1 Peter, because he had this revelation, he wrote, we are living stones. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, he said, we are living stones built together. Amen. Why? Because Jesus gave him that revelation. Okay, I am a stone, but I'm, I'm part of the rock. I'm part of something bigger. I'm part of um, this kingdom that cannot uh, be, be fade away, as Jesus said. Come on. Do you believe that? Amen. And then he writes in verse 9, we are a holy nation, a peculiar people. And that word peculiar means a specific or consecrated people dedicated to one cause belonging to one person. I mean, we have focused vision. We're part of something much, much bigger than ourselves. See, church isn't something that you go to. It's something you're a part of. Church isn't something you attend, it's something you do. It's who you are. You are the church. And that's what I want this, this church to have, that revelation. It's not something I attend, I go to a van, I go to the church, I show up, okay, I did my thing, whatever. No, it's what you're a part of. It's what you're a part of. And I've got to play my part. I'm part of a bigger picture. Church is this service for believers to encourage us, to strengthen the church, to build the church up so that the church grows in the earth. It becomes this structure in our community that God can dwell in, that God can be glorified in. How many know what I'm talking about? Amen. And so this is a, this, this puzzle piece that means so much and this is what we, who we are today. And then finally about this, really doesn't have too much to do with a puzzle piece per se, but it's a great principle. And as Paul teaches us here in Ephesians, it's all in and through Christ. It's all in and through Jesus. It's not through just programs that we come up with. It's not just through um, administration. It's not just through technology. It's not just through those things. God uses those things. But all in all, we say that the church is being built. I am doing my part. I have uh, this, this relationship with other people in the church. It's all in Christ. It's all through Christ. Amen. The only reason that we've come together is because of Jesus Christ. Amen. Come on. The only reason, the Bible says he purchased us with his blood. He bought the church at Calvary, amen. 
Right? So, so it's not something that, that I can say that, okay, if I just attend church and I do this and I do that, then, then we're going to have a strong church. No, we're going to have a healthy, strong church because Jesus Christ is working in us and through us and among us. And we're doing it His way. Come on. Amen? That's how the Lord is glorified. If we allow Jesus to do it, if we allow the Lord to work through us, you can't love people by yourself. Yeah, you can be nice to people, but how many know the next day, you can be very mean to people, right? But if it's in Christ, we know that we have to obey his word. And no matter what, every day we've got to be kind and nice and love other people. It's his way. It's all in Christ. It's through him. That's what Paul is really emphasizing here at the very beginning of it. And at the very end, he said, Jesus, it started with Jesus. And it's, it's, it's being completed with Jesus. And it's going to finish with Jesus. He said that he is the foundation. That's where it starts. Then he said he's the capstone, I mean the, uh, the cornerstone. Everything is hinging on that stone. Everything is built on that stone. And then later on he writes that Jesus is the capstone. He's the one that is building, being built on, but he's the one that puts it all together. He's the one that holds it all together. Then he's the one that balances all together. He's the one that completes it. So it's all and through Jesus. And so you may need to ask the Lord for help. Lord, I need you to help me love other people. I need you to help me show me other people's needs. How many of the church needs to be about meeting people's needs, not getting into everybody's business? That's not what it's about. That's what I'm talking about. I need to know your business. No, what we need to do is I need to know your need. Again, if I have a, a, a big, a bunch of clothes to give and, and I say, you know what? I need to donate these clothes, all right? And I'm going to go down to the blue box and I'm going to put my box or, or to the store and I'm going to drop these off and I have all these clothes, whatever. And, uh, you know, I feel good about myself doing that. Let's be honest. We feel good about ourselves. Hey, I gave to the poor. Gave, I gave people need it. And then people who get that clothes, they feel good about themselves. Oh, I can get this shirt. I have these clothes. I have whatever. But you know, none of us, both of us, have not been impacted in any way significantly. It's when I know people that need clothes. It's when I know people that need food. That's what's important. That's when meeting people's needs the way Jesus wants me to. That's what's important. It's when I know people that are sick, that I go to pray for them. That's impactful. Come on, somebody. I mean, you can, you can, that's great. You give your money to charity, charity that does cancer research and stuff. But when you know people that have cancer, when you know people that are suffering and, and even have a time limit on their life, and then you go and pray for them, that's impactful. And that's what God wants us to do. And that's what God wants us to move in. That is the body of Christ. Can you say amen? Can we stand on our feet today? <clears throat> amen. So it's all in Christ and through Christ. One of the things I love, <clears throat> and I think we skip over this. <clears throat> we skip over this sometimes in Ephesians, right? Think about this. <clears throat> As Peter says, we are living stones. We're not dead. We're living stones. This is very interesting. He says this about living stones. And he talks about this and he goes on. And, and, and again, he mentions at several of the places that we're living stones or we're living um, structures before the Lord. And, and if you read in Ephesians 2, what does he say? And he actually says it twice. He says in Ephesians 2, Ephesians 4. He says this, <clears throat> that the temple is growing. The stones are growing. We are to grow. That's what he's saying. It's ever-increasing building. It's not just like little hut that Jesus is building. It's like this huge thing. And, and it doesn't stop. This is, this is what he's saying. It's continually to grow. 
And I believe with all my heart that every healthy, every church, first of all, should seek to be healthy. And every healthy church, from the book of Acts till now, every healthy church is growing. And that's our focus, and that's our emphasis. Like, look, we want to be a healthy church because we want to grow. And it's not about, uh, you know, just piling up numbers and then we, then we lie about it online and then we have a huge Easter service and then I lie to all my pastor friends and say how many people are coming to our church. No, it's not about that at all. That happens, by the way, right? But what it is, it's about, look, it's, our church is so healthy. It's getting so healthy. There's new people coming in all the time. There's people discovering Jesus, getting saved and baptized. That's a mark of a healthy church. And a mark of a healthy church doesn't want to just stop right here in this building, with this seat, with this city. They don't want to stop there. They don't want to stop with the street, this community. They want to grow. It's constantly growing. It's constantly expanding. Aren't you glad the Bible says that the kingdoms of our, of our Lord and Christ are expanding until every other kingdom is going to be done away with. His kingdom is going to grow, and that's what happens. These are living stones that are constantly new people, new stones are coming in and being shaped by the Holy Spirit, put in place, doing what they're called to do, functioning as God called them to function. So another stone comes in, and another stone comes in until the wall is built. Come on, stone upon stone, line upon line. That's what the Bible says. This isn't a brick wall. This is a stone wall. Amen. And so it's constantly growing, and I want to thank the Lord for that. And I want to pray for our churches in our city and our area that they'll constantly grow. That they'll not get stagnant and they'll not, um, you know, get to a place where they're not, um, you know, kind of regenerating the gospel to the place where they're not growing. We want to pray that they grow. We want to pray that they're not just growing in numbers that, and, and, and uh, impacting the city with, the, with uh, you know, uh, their church and everything. But we want them to grow in a healthy way. Pray for churches to, in the city and pastors that they'll grow in a healthy way. They'll grow in love. They'll grow in peace. They'll grow in unity. They'll grow in the knowledge of Jesus. They'll grow in grace. That's what Paul prayed for other churches about. And so I ask you, is church something that you go to or is it something you're a part of? Is it something you're waiting for somebody else to put you in a place or recognize you or, or to, to constantly celebrate you? Or is it something that you're actually coming to give and to serve and constantly looking for needs to meet with other believers and church members and whether they go to this church or not, constantly looking for those who are believers in the Lord and, and strengthening them, encouraging them so that the church is built up. Amen? And so we take this puzzle piece today. I want you to take it home, whatever you're going to do with it, put it on your fridge or nightstand or whatever on the counter. And every time you see this, just ask yourself, I want to, uh, am I going to commit myself to be connected to other people in the church this year in a greater way, in a fresh way. New people that need the Lord. People that, you know, they're just people that you need to connect with that are other Christians, but also that need the Lord. And, and, and ask yourself, and, and just tell yourself, actually, you take that puzzle piece and every time you see it, I'm going to commit to doing my part this year. I'm going to commit to being connected and serving and loving to the church this year in a greater capacity. Amen. Anybody? Just me? Amen. Hallelujah. So let's do that. Let's pray. Lord, help us today that we will connect and invest with others around us, not just with those, oh, across the water. It's so, so easy to pray for those across the waters, but 
We're talking about people across the aisle. And Lord, may we just, um, may we avoid, may we avoid getting infected with the disease of selfishness and, 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 and self-awareness to the place where we're just ignoring others and their needs. I pray that you would open our eyes to see the needs of others around us, open our ears to hear their needs, and give us the capacity, the resources, the blessing, Lord, to bless others. Lord, I pray that you would help us be the church of Jesus Christ, the body of Jesus Christ that's healthy and functional and growing stronger all the time. We give you all the praise and all the glory because you are in the midst. You're doing it. You're in us, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that you're doing something in us. You're shaping us so that we can fit together to make something strong that the world can see that we love one another and we belong to you. We give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen.